I've put in a ton of work, um, you know, and it's been a thought of mine that with all the work that I've put in and everything I've come through, you know, the, the reason I've played this game for this long and I've put in as much work as I have is to contribute to a winning team and a winning organization. Um, and seeing all my, my good friends get traded in Pittsburgh and to see the direction we were headed, um, I think it was necessary. But at the same time, I was going to be out there throwing bullets um, on a team that wasn't expected to compete for a World Series, which didn't necessarily light a fire on me. Um, and that is the voice of the latest Pittsburgh Pirate to be traded. His name is Jamison Tyone. And our names are Noah Hiles and Alex Stumpf. Talking Pirates baseball here once again on the DK Sports Radio Podcast Network. Alex, it's been a while. How the heck have you been, buddy? I'm doing well, but I, I, this is funny with the, the podcasting. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but you know, we've we've hung out, we've we've done a whole lot of Java's in between. Yeah, we you know, you know we <laughs> write it, write about it in the live wire and everything else. Yeah, so like we've just we've, a different medium that yes, we haven't really. But, I mean, it's just nice to be back doing a podcast with you. I mean, we've been doing it for three years. We took a break right at the end of the postseason, and now back in action. And uh, and I, before we really get started, I want to point out. Uh, I appreciate all the comments and, you know, we've seen the comments on the sites of everyone saying, you know, are they going to be back? Are they going to be back? And we are back and I'm glad you guys missed us. So Alex, a lot to talk about now that we're doing the podcast thing, we're going to talk about it. Like we said on Java and everything else as well. Um, but the pirates have been up to some trades. The most recent trade being Jamison Tyone, who we just heard him as we opened the show with his audio from his media availability in New York. And he basically said this move made sense and the pirates are doing things that need to be done. Yeah. And you know, JMO is not the type of guy who's, who's going to trash talk the organization as he heads out the door. That's not JMO. But and he even went out of his way to say, Hey, you know, like Shelton, Charrington, you know, Oscar Marine, these are the right guys going forward but it was a pretty candid answer that i don't blame him that he's like guys if i was going to come back i was going to come back for a rebuilding team i'm not going to be a part of whenever this team is good again i'm going to get traded at some point all my friends have been traded i mean he gave pretty big uh, emotional goodbyes on twitter for josh bell and joe musgrove and that's you know not just for appearances those were two of his friends he's known you know josh basically ever since they've been in pro ball together. Actually, ever since they have been in, a pro, yeah. in pro ball together, they were two high schoolers. They were the top two picks. Every stop Jamo was at, Josh Bell was at. Joe Musgrove, I mean, those two loved starting back-to-back against with, with one another. I mean, it's it's different, and I, I really don't blame him for, hey, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to not be a pirate here for the long term anyway, what are we doing here? Let's Let's just do it now then. Yeah, and uh, another guy that he no longer had on his team was uh, Trevor Williams, who was DFA. Uh, yeah, another friend. Uh, yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's just – that's not to say J-Mo didn't get along. There are other guys that J-Mo, I'm sure, gets along with. Uh, I mean, Chad Cool's still on the team. He and Brault, I'm sure, have a great relationship. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's got to be tough for a guy like him who, when he was coming up, I mean, this was an organization that was still – in good standing. He wasn't a part of any of the three playoff teams, but he was going to be someone they kind of passed the torch to. And then he had his own injury problems and health issues and everything. And the organization made a whole bunch of wrong moves and everything kind of went downhill for both parties. And 
I, I'm certainly wishing the best for him moving forward. And it's, we talked about him losing all of his friends on his team. Well, now he's back with one of his good buddies, Garrett Cole, uh, who's been vocal about how excited he's been to uh, have JMO in that starting lineup. But Alex, when you look at this trade, I want to ask you, is this a different type of trade that the Pirates made compared to the moves with Musgrove and Bell, who were both, you pretty much knew what you were getting with those two guys, right? You knew what you're, you're getting a back end of the rotation guy with Musgrove. You're getting a 20 to 30 home run hitting first baseman in Josh Bell. You don't really know what you're getting with JMO. You'd like to think you do, but I don't know. Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? What's the plan here? Should they have waited to trade him in the season? Well, I'm going to start off by saying I don't really agree that you really know what you're going to get with Musgrove and Bell this year because Bell is coming off a horrible season. Yeah. And like, I, I know people, some people were curious, like, why did Joe Musgrove bring so much more than Josh Bell? Well, the blunt answer is Joe Musgrove has been a better baseball player more than, you know, Josh Bell has. Josh Bell has had exactly one good year in the majors. He's had one year even where he's had even one war, which is like the kind of bare minimum that an everyday player should have. So, yeah, he has that power potential. He he could quite literally, whenever he's locked in, hit his way to an all-star you know, nod, but that's been one year out of it. And basically the Pirates got what they could out of him with a, a young prospect who's on the upswing and someone who's major league ready can help, you know, now, but doesn't have nearly as high of a ceiling. Probably is only going to be a four or five guy at best. Uh, Musgrove, that trade brought in, I, I wrote this in the prospect breakdown, you know, the better headliner in Hudson Head, I feel like, and more players. But this tra- tie-on trade, I think, is just the best package of players that the Pirates have gotten uh, outside of the Starling Marte trade in a long, long time. Like, yeah. Starling Marte trade is still the gold standard, I think. But, you know, he had to be because he was a really good player on a really good, you know, team-friendly deal. Of course, he's going to bring back a couple, you know, really good players back. But Tyon, like you said, had the injury risk. But the flip side of that is he costs nothing in terms of like actual dollars. And for a team like the Yankees who just traded a hometown kid Monday afternoon in Adam Octavio to the rival Boston Red Sox for no other reason than they just had to get his money off the books because they didn't want to go over the luxury tax. Tyon was basically their only choice. They needed someone who has the upside of a high, you know, someone who could slot in the middle of the rotation of the best team in baseball history. And they needed him to cost practically no money. And you know what? Tyon could both of those. And yeah, there's a giant question mark with his injury history, but that's why he was able to command such a high asking price in this trade. And even with the loss of Adovino, I mean, the Yankees still have a really good bullpen. So you can, when you're an American league team like New York, you can acquire a guy like JMO and say, Hey, listen, we just need you to get through the lineup twice. That's it. And if, if that's four innings or however long, that's well, that's impossible over four innings. So never mind. Uh, but yeah, they're they're just gonna say, you know, we need you to get through the lineup twice or even less than that. So like he can go three, four innings sometimes and be a back end guy in New York, and I think that'll that'll all be fine. And if it doesn't work out with him as a starter, he can be a long relief guy too. So I think it is a good fit for the Yankees. And like you said, and what a world we live in where the Mets are spending like crazy and have really dominated off-season headlines. 
and Mets fans are like optimistic and there are Yankees fans, you know, like dancing in the streets over getting a guy who really, he hasn't pitched since like May 1st of 2019. Yep. So, and that's, that's, do you, do you know who was, could you name the top five hitters from that last Jamison Tyon start? Uh, well, I mean, it would have been Cervelli or no, the top of the order or just like an actual team. Top like, of the order. Well, you say, I'm pretty sure I know it offhand, but I want to make sure. So I'm pulling up the game. It would have been, it would have been 2019 would have been Marte, Frazier, Bell, uh, Moran, and Cervelli. It goes Adam Frazier, mm-hmm. who, who might still be traded this offseason. Yeah. We're, we're not at opening day quite yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starling Marte, he's gone. Gregory Polanco, uh, he's, he's as good as gone, pretty much. I mean, he'll play in 2021, but that's it. There's virtually zero chance. Yeah. Josh Bell, and then Melky Cabrera. Oh, okay, Melky. Well, I was thinking the other day on that note, um, you know, everyone likes to point out, like, wow, like, these great teams, like the Cleveland Indians, when they traded away um, Clevenger. And they're like, well, they're, and then when Lindor was gone, they're like, there's only really one player left from this playoff team or two, Roberto Perez and uh, and what's the third base, Jose Ramirez. And they say like, wow, look at this team's completely gone. I was just thinking back to the first year you and I were on the beat together for different outlets. But like 2018, the first season I covered the Pirates, that whole starting lineup's gone, aside from Gregory Polanco. If you look around the infield, yeah. it was Cervelli, Bell, oh, Frazier's still there for now. Mercer and Harrison, and then the outfield was Dickerson, uh, Marte, and Polanco. And so, like, that wow, things wow. have really changed. And the starting rotation that year was Jamo, Trevor Williams, Chris Archer, Archer at the end, Chris Joe Archer, Musgrove. and Yvonne Nova. So, wow. yeah, that, that's the that's how quickly things are changing here in Pittsburgh. It doesn't seem like it, I guess, because it's just. After like 2019 and 2020, you're just kind of like, all right, well, these just teams are kind of bad. But that 2018 team had some talent. I mean, they they had a winning record. They gave and up the the farm for you know, Archer. The trade deadline. Yeah, and uh, it's just crazy how quickly that team just evaporated into thin air. Hopefully, that evaporation will lead to a precipitation of talent in the future. You like that? Yeah, I like that, but. There's one more point in that question that you brought up, but I realize I haven't answered it yet, and I want your take on this too. Okay. The reason why you trade Jamison Tyon now instead mm-hmm. of you know hanging on to him for half a season and you know see if he can rebuild value. For me, there are three reasons. The most obvious being you get the offer you want now, and and, and it's just over right there. You got yep. the guy that you got the guys you want. That's it. The second is fear. The fear of he gets hurt. We're screwed. We get nothing for Tyon. And man, I wish I would have gotten those two pitching prospects and those two hitting prospects. And then the third is if the Pirates hang on to him, they don't really have to worry so much about, you know, managing his innings over the course of the season because, okay, he's going to be gone anyway. And then a team would try to acquire him and be like, well, how much can we actually push JMO after all of this? Here, the Yankees can manage the innings as they want, if they want, that is a lot of buying power for the Yankees in that regard right there, or for the Pirates right there, selling power for them. Yeah, and I I agree with your first point more than anything else. I mean, I agree with all your points, but 
when you and I were texting about this, when the rumors were swirling, I was like, we both kind of said, this has to be a great offer because there, there were solid reasons to hang on to him. One, I mean, I, they really just don't have any starting pitching depth right now. I know that they're, they're really not focused on winning in 2021, whatever they say, I don't care that they're, in a rebuild, they're tanking this season. We're, we're going to get okay. some good lip service early yeah. in spring training 2021, and yeah, fighting for opportunities and you know be the best you could be. Yeah, I get that, I get that. But let's be real here. This when team, Derek Holland, when Derek Holland has an opportunity to it's win, it's not going to be yeah. Derek Holland saying "Fuck smack." Watch what happens, and they gives up four home runs to the first yeah, five batters. Exactly. Space. But um, it was a good, it was a good deal. I mean, they got four players for someone who clearly meant nothing to the organization anymore, at least on a, on a, you know, contribution level. He was a great person and still would have been a very valuable leader to have in the clubhouse, but he was not going to be on their next playoff team. And I said this about Musgrove on Java the other day, where if one of those four guys ends up being a decent player on your next playoff team or on your next team that has a chance to make the playoffs, this is a trade that the Pirates want. It doesn't matter if the Yankees go on to do anything with Tyone because even if he was great here, it was going to be on a last place team. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to step away from the Pirates and we're going to talk about a place where not a lot of Pirates have been in quite some time, the Baseball Hall of Fame, when we return. Welcome back to, is this the podcast to be named later, or is it just the Pirates show? Is it Noah and Alex talking Pirates? I, I kind of miss the podcast to be named later. Uh, we're, 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 we're claiming it. We're All right. claiming it. Welcome back to the podcast to be named later. Noah Hiles, Alex Stump, taking you through your day, your morning, your afternoon, your evening, whenever you're listening to this. Just talk Jamison Tyone trade. Let's get into some wide-range baseball stuff now, Alex, and that is the ever-so-controversial and argument-causing always the Baseball Hall of Fame. Very interesting situation with the Hall of Fame this year. Going up and down the ballot, just not a lot of new names that we're going to break through, and there's not a lot of guys who are really on the fringe, and there's a very good chance that there will be no class in 2021 for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Alex, neither of us get a vote. Hell, I'm not even in the Baseball Writers Association of America, so I don't I don't ever get a vote. But you eventually, hopefully, will get to vote on this. You don't yet. If you did get to vote, would you have voted for anyone? Uh, I mean, I there are some obvious ones. I think Scott Rowland is 100% a Hall of Famer, and I know Dayon added him to his ballot this year, and I think that was a very good ad. I hope he continues to do that going forward. Uh, Billy Wagner, I think, is a Hall of Famer, one of the best at his position to ever play the game. I take that into consideration uh, whenever you look. You know, not just, you know, overall, because there are obviously starters that are going to be worth more career war that have done more in their career than a left-handed reliever, but Man, if they're, he probably is the best left-handed reliever of all time, if not definitely top three. Um, but after that, it, it really is an ugly ballot this year. 
and a lot of people have written about this, have brought up about the three controversial, most controversial being, of course, Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens, not only for those two because of their steroids accusations, but this year in particular, it, it being really disgusting again in the public life about Bonds' abuse uh, allegations and uh, Clemens's abuse uh, or accusations of child abuse. Um, and Kurt Schilling, another guy who just, I, I hate talking about Kurt Schilling. And the one of the main reasons I hate talking about Kurt Schilling is every single time I say, man, I hate Kurt Schilling, it always becomes, this is, oh, this is just a political thing. Because it isn't. It really isn't. And I hate whenever people say they aren't voting for Kurt Schilling because of political things, because of political reasons, because Mariana Rivera was just elected a few years ago with 100% of the vote. Every single person's like, yeah, Hall of Famer. And Rivera is a very overt Republican, Trump supporter. It's not, that's not the reason why he's not getting these votes. He's getting, he's not getting votes because he's like rope tree journalist. Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's lynch them. Let's, these bigoted comments about uh, Muslims, about uh, the LGBT community, you know, that type of rhetoric that leads to people getting hurt. The type of language that supports, you know, an insurrection on the Capitol. That type of stuff shouldn't be political issues. Like, I, I think that's more telling if anyone's like, oh, you don't, you know, he's not in for, you know, politics. It's like, which one of these political issues are you, are you, you know, aligning here with? That's That's more telling of you than it is of me, buddy. But yeah, yeah. Um, here's the thing, and I, uh, I am not a fan of Kurt Schilling the person. I don't think a lot of people are. And if you are a fan of Kurt Schilling the person, if you see to eye to eye with some of the stuff he's saying, I'll be upfront that you and I probably wouldn't get along. And I get along with most people, so that's just that is what it is. Likable people in Pittsburgh sports media. Come yeah. On. So whatever, that's fine. But. If I had a vote, I would vote for Kurt Schilling. And here's why. Kurt Schilling is a douche. And I don't know if I can say that on this show, but I'm going to say it because I don't care. He is a douche. But there are plenty of people who are just as bad morally as Kurt Schilling already in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And putting him in there is not going to change anything. It's not going to change this moral clause that everyone talks about. Whatever. Ty Cobb's in there. Uh... You know, Trish Speaker was a member of the Klu Klux Klan. So I, I just, and hey, Schilling might be too. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. That was a joke. That was a joke. But yeah, I just. A lawsuit to be named later. <laughs> yeah, for real. That was a joke. But in all seriousness, if the argument is, oh, he's a bad person, I'm keeping him out, then there should be plenty of people taken out of the Baseball Hall of Fame already. And if that's your excuse not to vote someone in who's been accused of steroids, I think that's a bad excuse. Because, like I said, the moral clause, there's no morality in sports, man. We like to pretend like this is Little League or you know, this where everyone shakes hands after the games and we all get ice cream together, but it's not. It's professional sports. You could pick basketball, football, hockey, baseball. Every sport has had a shady element to it. I just read an article the other day where it would talk about every single NFL team and how it's had a history of cheating. Even the Steelers. Like it pointed out instances. 
So that's just how professional sports work. In baseball, it can work more on an individual level. It can also happen at a team level. We saw that with the Astros, but it can happen on an individual level. So if you want to keep them out for cheating, I think that's steroids or whatever. It's dumb. Morality, the morality clause doesn't belong there. And if you want to take it personally, I'm not going to judge you. But using that as an excuse, I think, is stupid, in my opinion. Schilling should be a Hall of Famer because when he played, you look at uh, the two times that he was a world champion, he was a big factor in both of them. What he and Randy Johnson did in 2001, taking a franchise that was like five years old into the World Series, it was just those two and some skinny guy on roids who hit 57 home runs that year (laughs) and had a very famous bloop single in Game 7. It was quite literally like those three guys beat one of the best dynasties in baseball history. That's an iconic moment in the history of the game. And then he does it again in 2004 for the Boston Red Sox, where, you know, it could have been blood, that might have been overdrawn, whatever. He played a significant role in the greatest comeback in sports history. Those two things, on top of his numbers, on top of how well he dominated the sport during his time and his prime, make him a deserving Hall of Famer. If I had a vote, Maybe, and I'm not a big, like, oh, he's not a first ballot guy. But I would make Kurt Schilling sweat it out because, like I said, he's a douche. However, I would eventually vote for him to get in. I think he deserves to get in. But like I said, I still think, you know, and it broke my heart seeing what Omar Vizquel is accused of because I've been vocal. Omar Vizquel, aside from, like, guys on the Pirates who I grew up watching just because I was a Pirates fan— Omar Vizquel was my favorite baseball player as a kid, and he still is. I mean, when I was on the field for the All-Star game, covering it uh, in 2019 in Cleveland, uh, before the Futures game, Omar was a manager, and I remember watching him throw catch with Harold Reynolds for the MLB Network, and he was doing his quick flip from where he bounces off his palm into his hand, and I was in awe. I'm a huge Omar fan. I was heartbroken to see what he was accused of, and I hope it's, you know, I hope, I don't want to say I hope it's not true because if it is true, that would make me feel really bad. But it's a, it's a bad situation. But it doesn't change the fact that he was a good player, and I still think he should be in. I still think Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and Roger Clemens should be in. I think all these guys should be in, but I, I get why none of them are going to get in, I guess. Yeah. It, just to – there's an elephant in the room. This is always brought up, like, why don't voters just – vote for the best guys on the diamond and really just don't care about anything else. And a lot of people do. It's it's honestly probably about a 50-50 split as far as the BBWAA goes of like people who just, no matter what, will only vote for how they performed on the field and people who invoke the, invoke the character clause, which I am not going to fault anyone who just votes solely based on uh, performance on the field. That is an ideology and if you actually stick to that, that's good. I, I respect that i respect that but the character clause whatever you go with that it's i don't know let's let's also just not pretend that the character clause discussion really only came up nine years ago whatever oh, for sure it, you could kind of you could say it's both because of clemens and actually a little more big for mark for mark mcguire too but really mm-hmm. the guy who really got this character clause discussion going was Barry Lamar Barnes. Yeah. Because people were mad, mad, mad that he broke Hank Aaron's record. Yeah. No, and that was, it was like, you know what? We could stick him here 
too. And even though look, a lot of the steroid guys, you know, they got docked. You know, it's the fact that Roger Clemens for basically every year has always tracked a couple points higher than Barry Bonds shows who they're really mad in that situation yeah. at. So I don't. It's know. just the and, and then they turn a blind eye to some guys who very, very, very likely cheated. Like you know, Yvonne Rodriguez just so happened to drop you know like twenty pounds. You know, the off season where he also just flat out admitted he did steroids after he got in. So yeah, yeah. I mean, do they take his plaque away? Like, how does no. that work? You know, it's just. But I, I don't I, like the argument that just because there there are some absolutely horrible people, horrible people. Absolutely terrible yeah. people. Yes. Ku Klux Klan members, bigots, racists. Ty Cobb beat up a fan, and it doesn't even crack like the top five worst things that he's done. He did during his playing career. Yeah, but it's no, I don't agree with that. Just because bad things happen, we can excuse more bad things to happen. At some point, you do have to draw a line in the sand and be like, okay, we are better than this. We are better than we were in in 1920, 1930. But I don't know. If no one gets in this year, to be blunt, that's probably for the best. And you know what? Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, and they'll all get their day in the sun because it was postponed this year anyway. We have a full Hall of Fame class anyway. That's fine in my book. For And, you know, next year is going to be extremely ugly. Could you imagine the poop that is going to hit the fan if David Ortiz gets in first ballot? Yeah, and, and he's going and to. Clemens fall off the ballot, and he's going to. I mean, that's what's going to happen. And I don't know if he's going to get in first ballot, but just the trend of people being more and more forgiving of steroid users, I think Poppy will eventually get in, like the seventh or eighth try. That'll be interesting. I mean, all of these guys who were past the steroid era. I mean, like Manny Ramirez, does he get in? I mean, this guy did steroids every day of the week <laughs> and like he threw a se- travel secretary down the stairs and was in yeah. the lineup. He, he went into the minor leagues because he chose to go to the minor leagues because his friend was there. And then they, he made him stop the game because he lost a diamond sliding into third base. I mean, the guy was insane, but he actively quit in the middle of a season and uh, like but- in the middle of a season because he thought he could get out of being suspended for yeah. steroids. Yeah. He's like, that's how I'm gonna beat the system. I won't play by not playing. It's like that's not how it works, Manny. Yeah, dude. Uh, so I mean it's gonna be like I agree with what you said. It's gonna be interesting to see how these anti steroids people and this wasn't even where we started with this conversation. It's just funny no, how Hall of Fame voting. That's just how terrible this Hall of Fame yeah. is, you know, this year, this yeah. class. This is toxic. This is horrible. I'm very excited to one day get a Hall of Fame vote. I am not particularly you, envious of not having know, it this year or next. You know who I really want in as we'll wrap this up? Who? Todd Helton. Because I never heard a bad thing about Todd Helton. Oh. Wait, did he do something bad too? He... Not not spousal abuse, and I'm not gonna you know say which is worse. But he was caught drunk driving a couple times. Okay, I mean, well, well, damn. You know what? It's it's Aramis Ramirez. That's who I'm picking. All right, we'll go. Aramis Ramirez with the best walk up music at PNC Park of like, what do you want, Aramis? Nothing. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alex. Any final thoughts as we wrap it up? This is fun. This is yeah. Good to be doing a podcast with you again. I missed it. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Hit that subscribe all button. We'll see you next week.